0: Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. A show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more, so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade.
1: Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade. And as always, I am just here to ask the questions for you. But of course, the words of wisdom solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs.
2: How you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jeff.
1: Always glad to hear that, Brian. And of course, I hope our listeners are doing well today too. We appreciate you joining us every week here on the radio. And as always, we do have some sincere, you know, some actionable ideas that are going to help you get to retirement and keep you retired. And Brian, again, these are some of my favorite programs because you have associated yourself over the years with so many great people. And I really enjoy sitting back and listening to you talk to these people. And today we have another special guest in the studio. It's our advisor, Matt. So I'm going to sit and listen, let you take it over if it's okay with you.
2: Sounds good. Yeah, I'm excited for today's show because, you know, as you know, I I started the company back in the late 90s, 99, I think it was, which was a heck of a time to start a financial advisory practice. I think I had three months of the next 39 months where the market went up because as soon as I started doing this, uh, I think we we had the dot-com fiasco and uh, then 9-11 after that. I was like, man, who wants to do this for a living? But I persevered through that and over time grew the company Started hiring advisors here that could work with our clients so that I could do more of the education piece of things, radio show, uh, speaking, writing, recording, all that kind of stuff that I do a lot of, and be one of the team members for the advisors. So I'm kind of the resource here for advisors when we uh, put our heads together, maybe uh, on the investment committee or for a financial plan and so forth. So we've grown our team of advisors here, and one of my colleagues, uh, Matt Beyer, is joining us today. We're we're going to learn about matt and some of his backgrounds and his thoughts on what he sees some stories that he's done uh so we'll, we'll get a, a new fresh stories about the exciting world of financial planning and uh all of all that comes with it so welcome to the show matt tell us a little bit about yourself and your background Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. I
3: joined this wonderful business back in 1997 and experienced the same thing you just recalled regarding the wonderful dot-com bubble burst in 9-11. So those were some very exciting early years. I became a certified financial planner professional in 2005. So I think last count, I think I've been doing this for like 26 years. And it's, it's my calling. It's my passion. It's what I love to do. Happy to be here at Madrona. What a great firm.
2: Yeah, so you uh, had worked for other firms. I I believe you're a longtime bank department, and then we got together. How long has it been there, Matt? We met in 2019, and we joined the firm in 2020. Okay. And you're based out of? Beautiful Mountlake Terrace. Beautiful Mountlake Terrace. So, yeah, we have an office in Mountlake Terrace, and Matt and Michael hold down the fort there, and we have, of course, the Everett office, Bellevue office. Tacoma office and now a Salt Lake City office, so we're kind of growing our, our footprint there. Matt, uh, I know uh, sometimes when you give a seminar, you tell us a little bit about a, a story in your past. I thought I thought you know I always tell my stories on here. Everybody knows the infamous uh, you know tractor stories where I'm wearing the plastic dress in the rain or practicing public speaking in front of my cat Fluffy or whatever. I've got all my my stories, but uh, if you don't mind, uh, share that story with our listeners. Sure, this was in the
3: 1990s a bunch of us we were in our early 20s early and mid 20s and a friend of mine was having a birthday and what he wanted to do was go bungee jumping now i'm a pretty conservative buttoned up guy and didn't sound like the most fun to me in the world to jump off a bridge but they kind of worked on me for a couple of weeks and so i agreed and so the day comes it's a beautiful saturday we head out to the Snoqualmie Falls area, North Bend, and we pull into the Chevron parking lot where we're going to meet these guys. And there's this, pretty sure the paint color was rust, but it was a micro bus. And all these fellows came pouring out of this bus. I think my grandmother, and to put it nicely, my grandmother would have called them hippies. And they greet us and everybody's pretty excited. And one of the guys walks up to me and kind of eyes me up and down and goes, hey, how, how much do you weigh? And I immediately turned to my friends and said, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Because I said, if 20 pounds makes the difference between life and death on this thing, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Now, I ended up having a great day because for the rest of the day, I watched all of my very, very good friends scream like children as they plunged to their near death off this bridge in uh, the Snoqualmie Falls area. So it it was a fun day. But I tell the story for one reason to kind of talk about what makes us unique here at Madrona which is we'd really work towards an environment that where mutual trust and respect exist And that's a perfect example of where mutual trust and respect did not exist. And so I tell that story, and it it still brings me joy today.
2: Yeah, trust and respect. I mean, certainly we do this radio show, and we're looking to grow our business and find new clients and so forth that want to work with us. Conversely, we don't work with everybody because they're not always fit for us. The radio show helps to add some trust and respect. A lot of people that listen to this year after year know that when they have their uh, event, maybe it's uh, they're coming up on a retirement or an inheritance or sale of a business or something, they may be listening going, when that happens or when it's close, I'm going to call those guys at Madrona. I feel like they can handle all the nuances of everything re- related to us, to what you need for your financial decision-making and so forth. So yeah, our initial meetings are not a sales meeting, are they, Matt? They're they're really about, talk, talk a little bit more about how your meetings with new prospects go uh, as it relates to trust respect. Yeah, that's a great Piece for us to
3: kind of visit on because when we first engage with a client, we tell them that that first meeting or share with them in that first meeting, we're going to speak a lot about our process and a lot about them, try to get to know each other. We feel it's vital that they have a good understanding of where we're coming from in terms of our philosophy and our outlooks. And we have to understand them very deeply in order for us to do our job right. And we have to create the environment of mutual trust and respect, or we just can't move on from there. So, again, what makes us very unique is we are searching for that first and foremost
2: right and i think one of the w- things that allows us to do that and what we'll get into uh here in the show we're going to get into kind of our thoughts and views on the seven steps to a successful retirement i want to hear some of your, your thoughts on those because there is many steps and one one of those steps uh just kind of fast forward here a preview is a growth plan where we're talking about investments and stock market and so forth, which means six of the steps are (laughs) not. So when a lot of people that I hear go to advisors and say, well, how long did it take before they started selling you their product? And often it's like, well, about eight seconds. They heard my name and they said, I know exactly what you need, essentially. You know, it doesn't go exactly like that. But we've all been there. We've all been there where it's a little transparent as to where we're going here. It's a product sales thing. We don't do that. We don't We don't want to sell product to somebody just for the sake of selling product. We want to solve things. And we're going to talk about how we we go about uh, solving that in the seven steps to successful retirement here in in just a moment. We might as well just kind of leap off here. One of the first ones that we talk about uh, in the book, which you can obviously download and so forth, uh, is called the lifestyle plan. And to me, that equates to a cash flow plan. Tell me, Matt, uh, some of the things you talk about as it relates to a lifestyle plan. I don't want to box this in too much, but
3: financial planning essentially comes down to one core element for the most part, and that's cash flow in retirement. I've got to create the money to create the quality of life that, that I want in retirement. So- You've spent a lifetime building a pile of stuff, of money, of assets. And how do we create a cash flow stream that will lead to a successful 30- or 40-year retirement plan, taking into account inflation um, and those those kinds of things?
2: Yeah, I would say one of the biggest paradigm shifts that we have to get to with people we talk to – well, we don't have to get to it, but we often do – is during our lifetime, we're growing our assets. We're trying to grow, 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 invest, 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 put money away so that someday we have a nest egg and we can do retirement. So, uh, a lot of times the people come in and they're going, Well, what's the rate of return I'm going to get? And, you know, of course, the first thing I gotta say is, I don't know. And anybody that says they know is not telling you the truth because nobody knows. You can go back and go, you know, what's my rate of return through 2000 or .com through 9-11, through the banking crisis, through COVID, through the recession, through the recovery, through, you know, there is no rate of return. I, I can't predict what the next 20 years is. If you think nothing's going to happen in the world, I, I th- I'll take that bet with you. I think it will. But uh, certainly having a cash flow plan becomes a number one uh, objective of people at some point in their lives. So they're shifting from just grow, 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 no matter what to, oh yeah, maybe my emphasis should be on something else. So we'll get back to this coming up on a break and and we'll continue our discussion with Matt Beyer about the seven steps to successful retirement.
1: Thank you, Brian. If our listeners are hearing the program today and you're saying to yourself, I'd like to get a hold of that book, seven steps to a successful retirement that Brian and Matt keep referring to, we have an opportunity for you to get that book at no cost, no obligation right now. All you've got to do to get it instantly is to text RADIO to 833-673-7373 for your digital copy of 7 Steps to a Successful Retirement. This book will confirm that your retirement is designed to support the quality of life that you want for possibly 30-plus years. Once again, to get yours right now, text RADIO to 833-673-7373. Radio to 833 673 If you'd like a hard copy of the book, simply tell us that you want that. Include your name and address in that text. We'll be happy to send one of those out to you as well, too. And by the way, if you've got a question for us here on the radio program or you'd like us to discuss a particular topic that is of interest to you, you can also include that in a text to 833 673 And while you're at it, go out to the website and check us out online, won't you? It's madronafinancial.com, madronafinancial.com. Now let's get back to our conversation with Matt Beyer
2: and Brian Evans here on Growing Your Wealth. Matt is one of our advisors. He's in the Mount Lake Terrace office. He travels around, of course, Though so he'll meet clients in the Bellevue office and the Everett office, wherever it needs to be. But we were talking about seven steps and we were talking about the lifestyle plan, which is the first one in the book, which, as we mentioned, equates to cash flow. And why that's so important, why I think we put it first is, again, if we're talking if my audience is is 35 year old people, I probably talk about a growth plan before I talk about a cash flow plan because your cash flow plan when you're 35, 40, 45 years old is your job, that's your cash flow plan. What is your cash flow plan when you are not working anymore? That's probably the biggest thing we solve for, wouldn't you uh, say, Matt? Absolutely, and I think one of the questions that we ask every time that it's not
3: surprising that many people don't know the answer to this question is what does it cost to be you? Um, And that's critical, and a lot of times we will just tell clients, that's one of the first things that we need to know from you is, you know, what does it cost to keep the lights on and pay the insurance and the property tax and the cell phone bill and all the, the other items that we all have to pay on a daily, monthly, weekly basis?
2: Yeah, the what does it cost for you is huge. When we do financial plans for people, when we project out the course of their life on paper, anyway, as far as their finances. There's two really, really difficult things for us to answer. And we have to make a, an educated guess on them. One is how long you're going to live. I can't look at somebody and just say, well, you know, I'm going to plan for 8.5 years here. You know, that's just, just not how it works. Planning gets harder when you're going to live longer, frankly. I always tell the story if if somebody comes to me and says, yeah, I need help with my finances. The doc says I got two years to live. I got a million dollars. What do you recommend, Brian? I say, I recommend you spend half a million dollars a year for two years. So it gets real easy when, when it's a short time frame. But when, well, you know, I, I may have a 40, 50 years left because uh, my grandmother's 108 and my mom's uh, 87 and we have longevity. I, I run marathons, all that stuff. And I'm like, whoa, okay, this is harder because now i got to project for many decades where you don't have a job, where you don't have cash flow coming in from working. Sure, you got Social Security, but the people we're talking to, you know, that's that's just not enough to live the life they want to live. And so it's enough to live your life, and don't get me wrong, but uh, we define it as living the life you want to live. Most people, I think we can easily agree, that uh, want more than what Social Security would provide. And so if we're not working anywhere, we gotta have a cash flow plan for many years now. I mean, it used to be uh, Social Security, when it came out, the age to get it was 65, and the average longevity of Americans was 66. It was a safety net program. Well, that's not the case anymore. Now, we a lot of people are taking it at 62 and living until they're 92. And so it's 30 years, not one year differential there. So uh, it's a whole different deal. So cash flow, as I mentioned before in our paradigm shift, we often need to kind of go from is, is my whole objective growth? Well, if so, we'll buy a non-dividend paying growth stock and put it in there and hope for the best and not worry about security, not worry about cash flow, not worry about anything. But for most of our clients, wouldn't you agree, Matt, uh, that is just not the case?
3: No, volatility is something that scares the heck out of people that are in the distribution phase. To kind of step back for a second, moving from the accumulation to the distribution phase is a huge transition that most people really haven't even thought about kind of how that's going to make them feel, but it's a huge transition. As far as planning goes, I think one of the things we posed, one of the things we will talk to clients about is, you know, 30 or 40 years is not an unreasonable time frame to expect to live these days. And if you can tell me what day you're going to die, then we can bounce the last check. But that's the question that nobody can answer. There's no crystal ball for that.
2: Right. And so many investment products are good at one thing, not good at another. And we always talk about this, benefits and detriments of investment products. Now, you know, I could, I'm, I'm going to do my little fun little listing out of some of the things that someone could put their money in. And maybe, Matt, on, on your fingers, you can count how many are good at cash flow. When I run through this, let's see, we've got just cash in the bank, uh, CDs, Stocks, ETFs, mutual funds. Oh, we have fixed annuities, accumulation annuities, lifetime income annuities. So we got long term care, universal life as an asset class, premium finance, universal life. Uh, now we got buffered ETFs and structured notes and, oh, opportunity zone investments, Delaware statutory Trust, private non traded equity REITs, private non traded debt REITs, private equity. So these are some of the, the investment categories. I don't know, did, were you keeping. About tr- four. About four, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's certain investments that can be very good at replacing that wage that we were making in our 30s, 40s, 50s to some other kind of income source in our 70s, 80s and and so forth. But if you just count on the stock market to do it. And then we have a bad stock market, which we do from time to time. If you're pulling money out after a bad market because you need to live on it, you're never going to replace that. So that's that sequence of return risk that we often talk about on this show. Maybe you could speak to that for a moment. Yeah,
3: sequence of returns is pretty foreign to a lot of people. They really don't think about... That the impact of the timing of retirement. If you're lucky and the market is going up for the first 10 years of your retirement, then sequence of returns is not that much of an issue. If, on the other hand, if the market's going down for the first 10 years of your retirement, then your plan looks a whole lot different and not in a happy way.
2: Yeah, I've been running into more and more people that have, you know, more people are retiring now every year than ever before. The baby boomers are at that age. I think their average age is, it's in the late 60s. I know that, which, so, so many people are retiring and a lot of people are coming to made the decision to maybe do it yourself investing. And so they went online and put, put their money in the market because the market was doing good in the, you know, two years ago, say, and they're already down substantially. And they're going, whoa, okay, I'm pulling money out of this. I'm down a significant percentage. I lost money in the bond market. I lost money in the stock market. I don't have cash flow at this rate. uh, I'm not sure I'm going to make it. And if we have another bad market, I'm going to be faced with this again. So I've just put my entire retirement at risk and my spouse isn't too happy with me right now. That's why I'm coming to see you. Have have you had any of those meetings, Matt? Absolutely. Nobody wants to go back
3: to work after they retire. And many did uh, in the 2008 crisis, had to go back to work in 2009 or 10.
2: Well, one of the things I've heard you talk about is the importance of keeping income coming in. And and maybe you could comment on that. Yeah. Creating a, a lifetime income
3: plan is vital to creating quality of life in retirement. Annuities that create a guaranteed lifetime income plan, for example, are one one way that people can build a core stable income to retire on. And it goes back to a 2008 story that I had a client who was a groundskeeper for a very large retirement community in Maryland. And he had retired and wasn't a super sophisticated financial guy, just wanted to live his life comfortably. And we created a guaranteed lifetime income annuity for him to help supplement his his income in retirement. So after the 2008, while that was all going on, he he gave me a call. And he says, Matt, he says, uh, what's my income going to go down to now that the market's down by 40%? And I said, John, I said, your last check was the lowest check it can be. It can only go up from here. It, it can stay the same or go up. And he goes, oh, that's what you were talking about. And it's that peace of mind to know that you have a stable income stream in retirement that gives you the peace of mind to be able to retire. I think that's a question a lot of people face. They just don't know the answer. And can I? Can I do it the way I want to? And can I do it with the quality of life that we've grown accustomed to?
2: So the annuity can be a tool, and, and I want to touch on the annuity discussion briefly because um, I do listen to other shows when I'm driving around on the weekends and uh, financial shows and, and they they're talking about annuities. I know exactly what they're talking about, yet they never use the A word. <laughs> I don't know why, other than there's been a ton of marketing by an organization saying I hate annuities and you should too because they sell stocks, stocks and bonds. And stocks and bonds don't do the best job at a lifestyle plan or a, or a protection plan or, or other things like that. They're back in the growth plan. And, and yeah, that probably should be part of most people's portfolio part, I said, though. And so the income plan, since it doesn't solve that, and we just said that that's probably the most important thing is to replace your wages in retirement so you have money to spend to live the life you want to live, then if that doesn't do the job, then why should I shy away from it? But I hear over and over and over, and it's so funny to me, I, I never hear people say the word annuity on the radio, except on this show. Annuities are a tool that can provide cash flow and retirement and secure uh, investments. I, I love the way that you break down the explanation of annuity, Matt. Could you uh, tell us that one? People make fun of me for this sometimes because it is pretty simple in the sense that money
3: does three things. It goes up in value, it goes down in value, or it stays the same. If I could remove one of those arrows, which one would you like me to remove?
2: Uh, let me think. Let me think. <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess usually people say the down arrow. Correct. And what's left is an annuity. Wait a second here. <laughs> yeah. That sounds a little too simple. And, and the reason why I need to talk about this is there's one caveat to that. The up arrow isn't as big as it would be if it wasn't in an annuity. Yeah, for taking away the down arrow, you're
3: not going to participate as much on the upside, but you're still going to participate, and that's very important.
2: And so the the message I'm hearing often out there in the media world is, you get the gains of the market without taking any of the downside. Now, does that sound reasonable to anybody? You get all of the benefits and none of the detriments. That is not realistic. You get gains in the market to a point or a percentage of the gains of the market. Not all of the gains of the market in an up market with an annuity, but you don't take any of the downside with a fixed index annuity or a fixed annuity. And so now, variable annuities you would, but uh, certain annuities you wouldn't take the downside. And those are the ones that, that we offer here. So, absolutely, we're, we're saying, are you willing in retirement to trade income to replace your wages in exchange for? the not the ultimate growth plan, but protect yourself from the downside. Most people, like you just said, we had 2008 crash and he, he says, my income going down. And you said, no. Well, what about when you recovered in 2009? Does it go up? Well, if you got the right product, yes. And I didn't have to step backwards. No. huh? Well, in those markets, people really love the fact they have their annuity in, in place, especially you know when they're getting checks every month for the rest of their life and they can't stop. So I wanted to touch on annuities because I keep hearing false narratives on the, on the radio or on the internet and so forth. Just kind of want to set that straight. And before you know it, uh, we're back up on another break. So when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about the seven steps to successful retirement.
1: Thanks, Brian. I want to wrap up part one today by reminding everybody that if you're listening to the program today and you're wondering whether or not your financial roots are deep enough to sustain you during the next financial storm and especially with a retirement that could last 30 plus years, we invite you to go out to our website, which is madronafinancial.com and get our rooted wealth analysis. If you want to be prepared for a smooth transition into retirement and you don't want to wait for the next market crash or financial storm to expose problems with your portfolio because you've got shallow roots, we can give you an idea of how deep your financial roots really are. Once again, go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button there. That will allow you to request your complimentary rooted wealth analysis so you can clearly see where you and your wealth are firmly rooted and where you're not. It's going to cover a lifestyle plan, a growth plan, protection plan, taxes, health care, gift, and legacy planning. All you've got to do is answer a couple of quick questions and then you'll be put in touch with an advisor who will examine how deep your roots are. And don't worry, you're not going to be sold anything in this initial consultation at all. This is truly an exploratory meeting to find out how deep your financial roots are so that you can survive the next financial storm or even the one that we're in right now doesn't cost you anything once again go to madronafinancial.com and click on the get started button right there at the top for your complimentary rooted wealth analysis
0: growing your wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come big trees fall when storms hit because they don't have deep enough roots the same goes with your finances Your quality of life depends on how deep your financial roots are today, tomorrow, and for years to come. If you wanna learn how to design your retirement to last 30 plus years, then grab your copy of Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement by calling Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more of Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm
2: Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And with me is my special guest, one of our advisors in the Mountlake Terrace office, Matt Beyer. And uh, we're talking about the seven steps to successful retirement. We had been touching on how there's a paradigm shift often when we go from working and our cash flow plan is our wages to when we're not working and we need a new cash flow plan. And that generally becomes the number one priority for most of the people we talk to in retirement. Now, they're transitioning from a growth plan. Now, the growth plan could have been in their 401k plan. Maybe they had all their money in the market in their real estate. They had their money in active rental real estate where they're a landlord. So one of the things I often talk to people about is the transition from being an active landlord where you can often make more money. You have a better rate of return than you can if you're not a landlord anymore. However, maybe that's not the priority. So in the same vein, Matt, we are talking to break about changing your property priorities from 100% growth plan to a blend of of growth and a cash flow plan. And you had a term for that.
3: Yeah, we, we call it, I don't need to get rich. I just want to stay rich.
2: Right. And so I'd use that with uh, real estate all the time. I have people say, well, you know, my rate of return on, on buying these rentals and spending my summers re-roofing the house and painting and sweltering heat or, or in the cold out there trying to fix uh, the landscaping and so forth, my rate of return's higher than what you're telling me I'm going to get on this Delaware Statutory Trust or this private non-traded equity REIT. I'm like, well, of course it is. You're working. You're stressed out. You don't have a life. You just told me you spent your summer in the basement. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, of course it's not as good. And so the same thing can be said with uh, many of our strategies. So people always, they they look at me like, you just told me I'm not going to do as good as I'm doing now? I'm like, yeah. Which would you rather do with the last good years of your life? Work on houses, stress about the market, just, you know, not have the life you want to live? Or would you like some cash flow and security uh, thrown in there now that you don't have currently? And they're like, hmm. "Uh, So Matt, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, some of your experiences talking to
3: people about that. Well, peace of mind is you can't put a price on it. And that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. If, if clients feel like, there's an environment of mutual trust and respect when they work with us, and we can understand their needs fully. Then we can help them craft a plan that provides comfort and peace, which are two areas that a lot of people don't talk about in financial planning. But those are two key underpinnings of managing your wealth and living your life to the fullest.
2: And that's a big reason why we do the full on financial plans for people because I could have, when I started Madrona Financial, I could have said, I'm going to do stocks and I'm going to put out uh, Brian Hates Annuities and you should too. Or I could have just been an annuity salesperson and and told everybody, yeah, the market's gonna crash. It could happen any day. So you need to put all your money in security and do annuities. And there are people that do both of what I just said, as ridiculous as that sounds. I could have done both. I could have ignored real estate. I could have ignored estate planning and and, uh, gifting strategies and security and and healthcare plan and tax plan, all that stuff. I could just ignore all that stuff, make it easy, and just have a couple products that I sell. But because we can offer virtually everything that's out there, I listed earlier off uh, what some of those things were. I, I don't wanna say we don't care, but it doesn't really change our compensation, whether you pick this, that, or the other as far as what we're, we're putting together. We're trying to get it right. So we're trying to get the right blend of growth, security, liquidity, cash flow and tax savings. You can't get all of them with just one investment. And so we're, we're looking for those solutions. And that, that becomes our focus. And that, that's why, uh, Matt, I, I don't even think you talk about product when you're talking to somebody for quite some time.
3: No, because it's really about the plan. And it's tailored to each client. None of our clients look exactly the same because mm-hmm. none of them have exactly the same in terms of wants and needs. So We have to take an in-depth approach to understanding what makes clients tick so that we can build a plan that makes sense for them and for them only.
2: Yeah. And we, we've been talking about the seven steps. We've only gotten to two, really. Uh, we have the lifestyle plan, which becomes the most important thing in retirement is your cash flow to replace your wages because you're not working anymore. So if we got to have money to spend and, and live out the life we want to live. Then there's a growth plan. We don't want to ignore that. You've been growing your assets, however, during your lifetime. And for many of the clients that we talk to, they've done a very good job of that. They're not going to write the last check, uh, have it bounce, as you mentioned earlier, Matt. When they pass, they're, they're not going to be a pauper someday. They're gonna have significant assets. And we document that with our financial plans as best we can to show them what that looks like. And you know sometimes they look at it and go, oh, I'm gonna be the richest guy in the graveyard. Or, "Gee, my kids are doing fine. They don't need all this money. I'll, I'll ruin them. Or you know that they, they're satisfied with what's going to be there. But they're looking for other attributes. So the next one on the list that I have is a, a tax plan. Now, some people, Matt, uh, you're not a CPA, but you know a lot about taxes being a CFP. Tell us some of the resources you use when you find a complex tax situation. you've identified that with some of you're talking to. Brian, it's a real tough one. It's called Madrona CPAs. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, that was a layup, Matt. Yeah, I I speak a CPA
3: or two multiple times during the course of a day in regard to client situations. It's critical. If if
2: you're not addressing that with clients' uh, plans, you're missing the boat. Yeah, you know, I mentioned on the show uh, in previous weeks, I can't think of the last time I went through a financial planning meeting with a prospect or a client where I didn't spend a significant amount of time talking about some kind of taxes and many advisors in the industry, maybe they have access to that, maybe they don't. Uh, I know that we do. All of our advisors have access to our full-service CPA firm here and the accountants on that. And so I enjoy those discussions when you and I uh, sit down, Matt, and and talk about your clients. And uh, I'm I'm a resource here, obviously, too. But I know that other people are used even more than myself. In fact, they're probably more current on some of the nuances of preparing a tax return. I, I certainly know the big picture and all of that. But having that tax plan and getting that right, I can't think of anything more important as a differentiator between advisors and that. Can you, Matt? People comment all the time about that's one of the things that drew them to Madrona
3: is having Madrona CPAs as our sister firm. It's a huge thing. I, we had an event the other night where nine out of 10, the first item they wanted to discuss was how do I minimize taxes in retirement?
2: Right. And, the, and pro- probably some of the reason that's coming up is, well, first off, the tax code is very complex and you hear different things from different people. But generally, when you go to a seminar and you say, well, I got some tax questions, can you answer them? And the person speaking ago, go, well, you have to consult your tax person. The yeah. nonpartisan CBO, Congressional
3: Budgeting Office, came out with a, a statement last year. I think it was 21 or 22 that said by – 2031, each of us will be paying 66% more in taxes, not in our marginal rate, but just in total taxes, 60, 66% more.
2: Well, I already feel that way personally <laughs> Lately with some of the tax increases I've had. And Yeah, I mean, we have a massive debt out there, and taxes, I mean, everybody listening knows that, gosh, even Washington just passed an, an unconstitutionally unsound income tax called the capital gains tax. It's an excise tax. bro. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this this three sided object I'm, I'm holding up here, that's a circle, map. just <laughs> we're just going to rename stuff. And we know that that got the foot in the door and we're going to be seeing other kinds of taxes and thresholds lowering on capital gains. They're going to eventually the state of Washington is going to define wages as an excise tax, a uh, taxable event. We've lost the word gain, capital gain. So now we're going to lose the word wage. Everything's going to be excised now. And, and you know, they'll tax that too because they, they, they want the, those funds. So you're a target if you have money, okay? If you have a retirement account, you're a target. If you earn money, you're a target. If you have capital gains, you're a target. If you have a business, you're a big, big target because, you know, we've seen this in other states where the, the state has targeted their people, California, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Illinois, whatever, they're targeting businesses and so forth. And guess what people with money, what, what do people with money do that have a target on their back uh, when they let's say they're in Seattle and, and uh, they know they have a big capital gain coming and uh, so forth. What, what do you suppose they do, Matt? Well, if they have the means and the opportunity, they leave. They leave. I can't tell you how many conversations I've been having with people about where they're going to move their assets. I'm having these conversations with people I'm going to change my residency. I say, well, that's not enough you have to change your domicile. So we're having even conversations about domicile changes. There's going to be a lot of money moving out of the state of Washington due to the new capital gains tax. And as uh, states continue to raise their taxes, I, I look at California as, as a prime example, people are just, are they're moving. They're moving to Utah, <laughs> of all places, from California and things are going really well in Utah there. Cities and states are gonna see real big problems when their tax revenues drop. We see businesses moving out of Seattle, out of Portland, and so forth. So we're we're gonna have a lot of increases in taxes. You'll see new taxes, higher taxes, lower exemptions and and thresholds of of when you're taxed. We're gonna be seeing that uh, more and more, so the tax conversations becoming critically important as a component of financial planning. So with that, we'll go to the next one, uh, health care planning. Matt, can you give me some views on that?
3: Yeah, long-term care, for example, is a piece of health care planning, but it's not – also includes Medicare, just insurance and in retirement, health insurance and in retirement. But long-term care is a big one. We actually had a conversation with a client yesterday. That was a, a real big hot button for them in terms of one of their major concerns. And how do you plan for long-term care expense? I have a I have a joke I tell Usually if there's four of us around the table, I'll say – I don't know which two of you are going to join me in the institution, <laughs> but the odds say that many of us around this table are going to have to uh, receive some sort of long-term care as we age. I don't know if you've looked at the cost of health care, especially locally, but on average, it's
2: probably 10000 or more dollars per month for a long-term care facility. Yeah. One of the interesting things I think about with uh, any insurance is, you know, I have fire insurance and there's a a one out of a hundred chance I'll ever use that. Or I have earthquake insurance and there's about a one out of a 10,000 chance I'd ever use that. And I have all these insurances for things that probably aren't going to happen, but I don't know. So I I get the insurance yet one out of two, Matt. So the one that's one out of two, long-term care, hardly anybody has long-term care insurance. Yeah, it's not a fun conversation to have, no, but, it's it's, but you have
3: to understand the impact and the risks that are there to what you've spent a, a lifetime accumulating. You know, in the old days, it was the traditional premium-based long-term care that was available, and that was where you paid a monthly or an annual premium to one of many long-term care companies out there to provide that peace of mind for you. Well, there aren't that many anymore. There's only a handful, and there's only a handful I'd even consider doing business with to provide that. But you're talking about now it affects your cash flow. It's expensive. It's certainly a lot more expensive than it used to be. And there's also the, the, the health underwriting aspects of it is can I even qualify to get it? So one of the things that we kind of talk about, not only the premium-based care, but the asset-based care, which a lot of our clients are looking at, where conceptually you're just taking a small portion of your estate or your assets to protect a large portion
2: yeah, and, and uh, one of the attributes of that is if you don't use it, the money you put it up for the premium, um, most of it, is eligible back to your heirs. So we're coming up on a break, and when we come back, we'll finish our discussion of the seven steps to a successful retirement with my special guest, Matt Beyer.
1: Thank you, Brian. If our listeners are hearing the program today and you're saying to yourself, I'd like to get a hold of that book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement, that Brian and Matt keep referring to, we have an opportunity for you to get that book at no cost, no obligation right now. All you've got to do to get it instantly is to text RADIO to 833-673-7373 for your digital copy of 7 Steps to a Successful Retirement. This book will confirm that your retirement is designed to support the quality of life that you want for possibly 30-plus years. Once again, to get yours right now, text radio to 8336737373 radio to 8336737373 if you'd like a hard copy of the book simply tell us that you want that include your name and address in that text we'll be happy to send one of those out to you as well too and by the way if you've got a question for us here on the radio program or you'd like us to discuss a particular topic that is of interest to you you can also include that in a text to 8336737373. And while you're at it, go out to the website and check us out online, won't you? It's madronafinancial.com, madronafinancial.com. Now let's get back to our conversation with Matt Beyer
2: and Brian Evans here on Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And I'm here with my special guest, Matt Beyer, one of our advisors in the Mountlake Terrace office. And we're talking about the seven steps to a successful retirement, the book that you can download or get a hard copy of. We've talked about the lifestyle plan, which is essentially the cash flow in your retirement that replaces the wages you no longer earn. Uh, We talked about a growth plan, which most of us are familiar with, uh, putting money in the markets and active real estate during our accumulation years. Uh, We talked about a tax plan, the importance of that, how it doesn't always get addressed uh, with a lot of uh, financial plans because it's a very specialized area. But, of course, we have Madrona CPAs here that uh, help us with that. A health care plan, talked a little bit about long-term care. Uh, Matt, we will kind of put a bow on that. Uh, there's also Medicare supplement planning. There's there's a lot of expenses. I, I know I read recently that the average person, but nobody's average, right? It's either going to be a lot more, a lot less than this, but might spend over $300,000 in retirement on health care. I think our average number that we use is $6,000 per individual okay, per, per year. Per year, okay. Yeah, that, those numbers get, get pretty big, but uh, certainly we all know people that have exceeded that dramatically. So just taking a look at that is a very important aspect, a step uh, in the right direction. Uh, the next one is a protection plan. Uh, We've we kind of skating around this a little bit in talking, you know, all of these are somewhat interrelated, all, all these topics, but maybe you could uh, make a comment on the protection plan, what that looks like. Well, I will say
3: that the word protection has come up a lot more in the last month than it (laughs) did probably in the three months prior with the banking challenges that we face. But Mm -hmm. protection, again, that kind of, I don't don't need to get rich. I just want to stay rich mentality and retirement is critical when we talk about protecting money. Now, there are trade-offs. When you add protection to portfolios, you're going to trade return for that. So while you may not participate as much on the upside in terms of your value statement, protecting that money may be the biggest priority for you.
2: Yeah, I'm having more and more conversations about protecting assets, certainly, you know, just the last few years. I mean, it's been unnerving. You know, we had the entire globe shut down due to due COVID. And then we had this massive bailout from the government, borrowing, spending in the economy, caused inflation. Uh, it causes, you know, recessions. It causes, you know, all kinds of things. And now uh, now the Fed is trying to grind the economy to a halt to lower inflation. Well, well, that's that's hurting a lot of people right there. We've got all kinds of conflicts uh, across the globe and so forth. So people are uh, – there's very few people that I meet anymore that just say, let's just go for it. Let me put all of it on red. Yeah. Uh, red 22. Yeah. Let's just take max risk. I'm not worried about anything at all. Give that wheel a spin, Brian. <laughs> Okay, if that's you, we are not your advisor. Yeah, no. And and I, I chuckle about that, too, because I've had people come to me, you know, I have a side account, and it did better than yours over the last 10 years, Brian. I said, well, of course it did. I cannot take max risk on my clients. I'm not allowed to being held to the fiduciary standard. I've got to come talk to you when we've had a stress test uh, to the portfolio, when we've had bad things happen, which they happen over and over and over in our career, as you know, Matt. Mm and i'm trying to protect you from having to go back to work you get to do whatever you want you you get to go invest in the the triple inverse return of the small cap semiconductor market in uganda you know, or whatever it is i mean you you can just take max risk and and yeah you you probably beat me but i said probably oh yeah well uh, most people want to know that they're going to be okay, that they're they're going to be fine in retirement. And that's what we do. We're not shooting for the stars here. We're not trying to hit home runs with someone's investments. And it may sound funny to hear us, me say this on the radio, but that that is the, the truth, isn't it, Matt? Absolutely. We didn't name
3: the seven roots roots by accident because, really, the deeper and stronger those roots are in a financial plan, the stronger your tree is. And when those winds come a-blowing, for example, um, over a 30- or 40-year retirement, you will probably have three to four major market crashes during
2: that period. Well, I certainly have. (laughs) If you look back in history, absolutely that's, that's happened and if i'm pulling out of the market and if that's all i have then you know every, every so often i'm going to be devastated and that's that's why we we use a lot of annuities for many of our clients we use a lot of real estate real estate's been fantastic uh, as an investment class at different times in the market too and depending on the type of real estate and i talk on the show all the time people go what do you mean real estate's been awesome last year i got clocked on my publicly traded reits well yeah Don't buy publicly traded REITs in a volatile market. They're too liquid, and there were runs on the the funds, and they had to sell at fire sale prices to get the money out. I'm talking about either active real estate, Delaware Statutory Trust, private non-traded equity REITs, where they had limitations on liquidity. And so there can't be a run on those Assets, So there wasn't the losses. In fact, many of these funds did extremely well in that terrible market. So even something as nuanced as passive real estate, well, which kind of passive real estate you have, have you considered the liquidity aspects of that and what that would do to the pricing if we had a bad market, which we did. And so there are so many nuances to investing. That's why I just love this stuff. I love working with you, Matt, on the investment committee. We have these discussions. I just nerded out here. (laughs) I I hope people aren't falling asleep at the wheel and driving off the road into a ditch. Let me use a real fun
3: word then right now. Um, There's a reason that we use assets that aren't correlated to each other. And can you kind of speak to that and why that's important, Brian? Because that's cr- that's critical for us here at the firm.
2: Yeah, and the correlation thing. I mean, I talk to people all the time about. Well, I'm, I'm I got asset allocation. I got the S and P five hundred, the Schwab one thousand, the Fidelity five hundred, the, the Russell the Russell two thousand. I was like, uh, okay, you have a lot of Amazon and uh, Apple and. And more Amazon and Apple and some Amazon and Apple and a bunch of Amazon and Apple, you know. If you like those stocks, then that's great. But that's what you have. These correlate. They're, they're you know, we have a term called beta in the industry. And, and these are all within probably 95% of each other as far as how much they correlate. So if you put them all on a Yahoo graph, you go, wait a second, I just put five funds on there. And it looks like one line because <laughs> they're doing the same thing. Okay. We don't want everything to do the same. So it's funny cause I've had conversations like this before where maybe it was a good year in the market and they'll look at the investments they have with us and you go, well, not everything did really good. I'm like that's right. If it did, then you don't have any asset allocation. You don't have it, you're all correlated. You're in the same thing. And conversely, if the year's bad and you look at your statement, you every single thing on my statement went down about the same. That's what we're talking about. I understand it an up year, you want everything to be up even if you're not uh, diversified. But it's a down years. We're, just like I, I talk about financial planning, I'm not planning for the first person to, to die in a couple. I'm really planning for the second with investment advisory, I'm not necessarily planning for good years in the market. I'm planning for the bad. Well, and look what happened last year. Stocks and equities and bonds
3: are not supposed to to move in the same direction, yet they both moved. They were correlated perfectly last year.
2: Yeah, that is interesting because a lot of people think they're negatively correlated. So if the stock market's up, the bond market's down and vice versa. That's a negative correlation. They aren't. Bonds are what you call non-correlated, meaning if the market's up, they might be up half the time. If the market's up, they might be down half the time. You don't know, it's just uncorrelated. And so we want stuff that maybe is negatively correlated or is correlated in a way, we, I look at real estate. If you look at the, the graphs on the JP Morgan uh, Guide to the Markets and they'll list out uh, all these different markets out there and you know the bond markets, the stock markets, the US foreign, small cap, large cap. But first, the, the first position, the, the highest return over the last 25 years they list as real estate. So real estate can be a great non-correlated asset or semi-correlated asset uh, that can actually help with your cash flow too. If you do it right, as I just mentioned, you can do it wrong. And there's, there's different kinds of real estate and so forth. So yeah, having that uh, look at all that, and you can't do that unless you offer everything, can you, Matt? Nope.
3: And two areas that, that we like to, to touch on when we're talking to clients is you know, having assets that may or may not be correlated to each other, but may have other factors as well, like spinning off income that you can use in retirement or somewhere you can go and get supplemental income and not sell low. And what I mean by that is if the market's down, I've got a place to go to get money or income that doesn't cost me.
2: Right. So a little bit of liquidity discussion there, as we always talk about. I want growth, security, cash flow, liquidity and tax savings. And uh, I need to have all of those in my portfolio and no one product does all of them. So uh, the next one on the list of the seven steps uh, is gifting plan and followed by a legacy plan. And I kind of look at these, they have a lot of similarities. You can have a gifting plan to your family and to charities. You can have a legacy plan, the difference being I'm dead with the legacy plan. <laughs> I'm alive with the gifting plan. No longer available. Yeah, yeah. if you want to cut down to, to that, and, and they're different. I have a different plan when I'm living than when I have passed away. Uh, talk about the gifting plan a little bit, Matt. Well, gifting takes a lot of forms, and many times it's parents
3: supporting children who need mm-hmm. assistance. Um, it can be people who love to support organizations that they feel strongly about their church, uh, another charity that provides a function they, they take great pride in supporting. Um, one of the areas that comes up quite a bit, and I'm just amazed that many more people don't know about it, is the qualified charitable distributions that are available once you reach the age of 70 and a half. And it's, it not only does a couple of different things, has some tax-positive implications, but also allows you to um, leave your worst money to the best places, meaning charities, for example.
2: Yeah, that's a good comment there. I just gave a speech at my church a couple nights ago. Uh, that was one of the topics about uh, if you want to move money, you know, the, the government's going to force you to move your money from your IRA, uh, left pocket into your right pocket, and they're going to take a big chunk of that at your highest marginal tax rate that, then that's what you said, the worst money. And so we're able to instead have that go directly to a charity at age 70 and a half. And if you're uh, 73, then it, it qualifies for your required minimum distribution. And you can move that without any money going in government. It all goes to charity. It stays off of your tax return. Uh, which keeps you in a lower marginal bracket and helps other things. So it's it's just a big win. So if you're going to write those checks anyway, do it with a direct transfer at age 70 and a half. Anybody listening that gives su- substantial money to their charity annually and you know about what that's going to be and you're 70 and a half, please do look into this. Or if the money you give comes from the sale of an appreciated asset, there is a better way to do that. You can give that appreciated asset directly to the charity and not pay the tax. So uh, there's a few comments on gifting. And then finally, we have a minute uh, left in the show for legacy planning.
3: Legacy is a simple but complicated topic in the sense of, again, like you said, you don't care, you're dead. But people really want to make sure their money goes where they want it to go. Um, That can be family. um, That can be, again, to support organizations or charities or churches. Um, But legacy is something you cannot fix after the fact. You have to address it while you're in the here and now. So having good guidance on putting that, making sure what you want to happen happens, you've got to get that done ahead of time. And I don't know how many people we meet who the last time they did a will was 25 years ago.
2: Yeah, I'd say about uh, probably half the people I meet do not have – a current enough will or revocable living trust, which means they probably don't have a health care directive or durable power attorney, which means a hospital administrator will make decisions for them when they have a health event rather than their spouse or their kids, uh, which also means they might be volunteering a free $330,000 in estate taxes, state of Washington, because they don't have a credit shelter trust provision in there. It sounds complicated, but really, if you can think you can put it in the will, it will be executed after you pass away. A lot of these things, which, means you don't have to do a, a ton of work. You just have to do some planning. And you can, it doesn't take a lot to make a big difference in that. So I just want to kind of mention that as it relates to legacy planning. Well, Matt, we're uh, we're up on the time clock here. I want to really thank you for coming on this show. We could do this all day long, seven steps and getting to know you a little bit more. Matt, uh, they're in the Mountlake Terrace office, one of our advisors here who uh, I work with uh, on our investment committee and we work on cases together
0: all the time and, and so forth. So thanks again, Matt, for coming on the show. My pleasure, Brian. Thanks for having me. Thanks again, and have a great weekend. of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.
1: DST investments are only available to accredited investors that are offered solely through the issuers offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents.